Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers and welcome to another beautiful sunny saunter from here in deep Dorset and Oh, what a gorgeous day. Thank God. Anyway, let's pray. Lord, we welcome you now as we look at your word. We ask you to speak to us, open our hearts, make us receptive to what you're trying to say to us. Lord, let us not just hear words. Let us see Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Good morning, Pat and Mike and Kathy. Now, the day before yesterday, which was the last saunter, we... um, didn't quite finish Luke chapter 11 so we're going to have a we're going to finish off Luke chapter 11 then we're going to have a little dip into Luke chapter 12 and see how far we get so hope that all works and so from verse 37 then it says of chapter 11 and morning Alison while Jesus was speaking a Pharisee asked him to dine with him so he went in and reclined at table the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not wash first before dinner. Shocking. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. This is really, really interesting because Jesus has been um, challenging the, he's been kind of in a running battle with the Pharisees and the experts in the Jewish law. And they, they, they seem to be just constantly trying to trip him up and find fault with him over something. Good morning, Mary and Fran. And so... This is just one, I I kind of wonder whether Jesus provocatively just didn't wash on that occasion, but there was a ritual which was very important to wash your hands and so on before the meal. And uh, I've been, I was in Africa once and a lady came round with a bowl uh, with a jug and some hot water in the jug and she poured it over our hands and so on before we ate. Really nice actually, very courteous and so on, but... Um, this was all part of their kind of ritual and uh, Jesus wasn't abiding by the rules and so the Pharisee moves in for the kill well he doesn't actually but Jesus kind of comments to him anyway because he knows what the guy's thinking and he uses it to make a point he says now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish but inside you are full of greed and wickedness now we know don't we that if we just wash the pots and we wash the outside of the vessel, the bowl or the plate or whatever, it's pointless, isn't it? Because we're eating from inside. That's where we take our food from. So the 
inside of the bowl particularly needs to be clean. Good morning, Deepak. And so Jesus is saying, this is folly. This obsession with the external appearance of things is folly and it's hypocritical and we'll see as he goes on. But he says, actually, what God is interested in is what is coming out from the storehouse of your heart. He's interested in the treasure of your heart. Yes, he is interested in our charitable giving. Alms is just another word for charitable giving. God is interested in our generosity with material things, but he's saying that alone isn't enough. You can give everything. We know that, don't we? Good morning, Pam. Um, Paul says in one the famous chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I give everything I have, you know, but have not love, it's just pointless. You know, I could give my body to be burned, but if I don't have love in my heart, well, what is it? It's just a, it's just a show. It's a kind of formality, or I don't know what it is, but it's an act that isn't borne out by our hearts. Now, we were talking at the prayer house just uh, last week about worship and how the Father is seeking, he's actively looking for worshippers. Not so much worship, but worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. And that's that whole thing of integrity. It's as a whole person. If something has integrity, it is up against the whole thing. It holds together. And Jesus is saying right here, he said, this is what God is interested in, is the giving that comes right from your heart, from the deepest place of your heart. And so we saw the woman who broke the alabaster jar and she poured out the most precious thing she had to Jesus and washed it, kind of anointed his feet with it. And this is the kind of currency that really moves the heart of God. Um, this, those things that are deeply precious to us. And he then says that is the purification of everything. So everything then you do that comes out of that heart that's given over fully to God is then purified by that. But he says, verse 42, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat, best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. So <laughs> this is a whole pack of stuff coming from Jesus's shotgun right here. Pump action. Boom, boom, boom. And he's delivering this kind of continuous sort of critique of their of their ways. He's saying, you love all the show. You love to be greeted in the streets. Oh, Rabbi, you know, and, and have the special seat at the, the um, ceremony or whatever functions going on the village fate you get to sit in the front row as reserved seats because you're the pharisee i don't know some but he says but you love all of that you want to sit in the front in the synagogue and be honored by everybody and you love it when people greet you with this sort of courteous respect because of your role he says but actually do you know what you're you're like a grave you're full of a <laughs> people don't realize that actually you're just full of death you're, there's nothing good coming out of you and then he took but he talks this interesting thing about tithing the herbs and so on he's and he says like you should yeah by all means go ahead and be detailed in your approach to tithing but don't forget these other really important things which are which the things that god loves 
which is justice and the love of God. He said, don't, don't overlook these things in your fastidious approach to keeping every single detail of the law. Actually, we know that he goes on in other places to say, you rob people of their homes. You know, this is, this is appalling. So they trampled on justice. And, and we need to be careful that in our, particularly if we're a Bible-believing, evangelical type of church, which is great and lovely, because the Bible should be believed and it should be treasured and upheld. That's why I'm doing these saunters, is because I value it so much. But let's not, in the same breath, overturn other things that are important to God, which is justice and the love of God. And I think sometimes Christians have been so rigid on their... Um, I'm trying to be careful what I say, in this, because it's important we understand it correctly. They've been so obsessive about detail and keeping this and that and the other that we've become like Pharisees and we've missed out on that broad picture of the love and the grace and the mercy of God and justice of God. We've not given people justice when they should have had justice and we've missed out on the heart behind the whole thing. So, um, verse 45, he says, One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. So the Pharisees and the lawyers, the kind of legal experts, tended to hang out together and they were sort of had a similar um, set of values. And one of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he, and he said, Woe to you, lawyers, also. So, yeah, I am after you as well, in fact. You are correct. And he said, You load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. He says, like, it's that lift a finger thing. Jesus was the one who said, you don't even lift a finger to help. Is in, um, I think, Matthew's Gospel. He uses that actual, he records those actual words. So Jesus is saying, you give these incredibly hard religious burdens for people to bear and things that they've got to comply with and all these requirements to bring this and that and the other to the temple and this temple tax and this sacrifice for this and that and the other which are written into the law but there was a there was a lot of exploitation going on of, of the worshippers when they came to worship at the temple and so on and Jesus saying look you put this heavy burden on people but you don't even assist them in any way so you're not you're not fair you're not you're not representing the heart of God because actually the heart of God is that our brothers, we recognise the need in our brothers and we help them and we dip our hands in our pockets and we serve one another and we carry each other's burdens. James says bear each other's burdens, doesn't he? And so Jesus is like kind of saying, you, you lawyers are just as bad as the Pharisees. Because you put these heavy burdens on people. Verse 47. Woe to you for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them and you build their tombs. This is really provocative. Therefore also the wisdom of God said. I will send them prophets and apostles. Some of whom they will kill and persecute. So that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. 
let's just pause there. Jesus is saying, good morning, Rosemary. Jesus is saying, you have, you've got such a double standard going operating here. He said, you, you look after and you tend the tombs of these prophets and martyrs, people who were killed by your fathers. Your forefathers killed these people for speaking the truth. And now you garnish their tombs and kind of make them like a sort of tourist destination and a holy place and everything else. But you're missing the point. You are guilty of the same sins that your father, your fathers committed when they killed these prophets because you're rejecting the messenger that God has sent, i.e. me right now, Jesus, the one who's talking to you. You're rejecting me. You're rejecting my message. You're just as bad as your fathers, your forefathers. But there you are, titivating the tombs and making them look pretty for the tourist trade or whatever else, or to look particularly holy in people's eyes Jesus says this is horrid this is a bad thing and so he's saying that the blood of all of these these prophets who have been martyred for their faithfulness to deliver the word right back as far as Abel he's called a prophet in this in this in Jesus's reference sweeps him up into all of those prophets and he said and there's a scripture in Hebrews it says the blood of Abel cries out. I think it's Hebrews. Um, and and so there is something. We When we went through the book of Revelation, we saw how the blood of the martyrs, the blood of the prophets and apostles and people who've been faithfully serving God, that actually somehow is important to God. And he's after kind of vengeance for that. He wants to he wants a reckoning for that blood that was shed. Well, of course, they crowned all the neg all the dreadful efforts of the of their forefathers was crowned when they um, by the crucifixion of Jesus, wasn't it? So they're building up to a crescendo where they literally kill the final messenger that God is sent has sent. And so he says. Woe to you, listen to this, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. <clears throat> and as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So they, um, he makes this statement. He says, you have taken away the key of knowledge. You... You yourselves did not enter and you hindered those who were entering. So the key of knowledge, interestingly, they were given the key of knowledge. Um, in um, Malachi, it talks about the role of the priests and it says from, from you, people were supposed to seek knowledge. They were supposed to come to you for help in matters concerning God. So these... Um, Levites and um, sorry, these uh, lawyers and Pharisees who were supposedly experts in the Old Testament scripture were supposed to help other people find the truth and find wisdom and help about knowledge of God. But the key was that they were not entering in themselves and therefore they were also on the back of that 
they were not only not entering in themselves, but they were making it very, very difficult for anyone else who wanted to enter in. And so the key of knowledge to me, it seems, is that key that God had entrusted to them, but they had, they'd lost it or they'd hidden it. They'd taken it away, confiscated it because they hadn't set an example by entering in themselves. And we who preach and teach the word, we really need to make sure that we are entering in to everything that we're preaching and teaching, everything that we have understood of Jesus and of his word, because the key to other people entering in is seeing us entering in. We need to be disciples and step into what God is showing us, not just talk about it and kind of make it complicated and theoretical and difficult and so that was what these guys always did they made everything theoretical theological and difficult right chapter 12 so anyway the the kind of battle continued and these guys looked for another opportunity to trip jesus up just like the devil he says he when he tempted jesus he waited for an opportune time he he went away but he waited for an opportune time these guys are exactly the same they they're following exactly the same pattern as the devil they're waiting for another opportunity to trip jesus up and catch him out right chapter 12 in the meantime when so many thousands of the people had gathered that they were tramping on one another that's pretty hectic he began to say to his disciples first beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the rooftops. Wow, this is really interesting. We just pause there one second. Jesus is saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, leaven is a metaphor for Jesus, for influence now i know people have said leaven is just bad well people did eat leavened bread in jesus's time but they also ate unleavened bread and it was um for special occasions like the passover and so on um but the leaven which is yeast it's like if you make sourdough you you get a leaven going on and it bubbles and ferments and so on and it's got natural yeast in it and then you put that into the bread you mix it in um, knead it in and then over the next 24 hours or however long you want to need leave it for the bread rises the yeast multiplies and fills that whole loaf and kind of expands it and so on so this is the thing jesus is saying it doesn't take much leaven to leaven a whole loaf and he's saying the leaven the yeast the kind of influence of the pharisees is hypocrisy everything they do is about show hypocrisy literally means an actor who is pretending to be somebody else something they're not and he says this is precisely where these guys are at fault and their influence is destructive because they're pretending to be something they're not but then jesus goes on to say this this is so profound and i think we really need to reflect on it about our day in which we live he says nothing is covered up that will not be revealed not even party gate not even Beergate. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, actually, we can single out um, the, our politicians, but God has literally been sweeping through every institution, every area of life with that kind of judgment 
where he's been exposing the things that have gone on in secret. So he picked on the church first, and it was the church, Catholic church, the Protestant church, um, that were suddenly we discover all these dreadful, dreadful secrets and hidden things that have been conducted in secret where powerful men particularly have abused young people and children and so on and and God is after that and he's taught he's judged those fraudulent pastors who've you know kind of had their fingers in the till and you know and all this kind of thing and God is on the warpath and he's exposing these hidden things he's been after footballers the whole um, football institution has been under review hasn't it the politicians the big business the movie industry you know it's uh, we might think oh the me too me movement whatever whatever but actually i believe god is in that because there's something going on where which fulfills what jesus said therefore nothing is covered up that will not be revealed and i think the one who wants to try and cover over their sin is going to have a nasty awakening at some point and you might get away with it in this life but even there have been people haven't there just recently and they've just died and it's come out it's been so difficult and so brutal and so hard for everybody um who have had trusted them and been influenced by them but think about the victims you know and the people who've been living with that painful memory and trauma since whenever it happened maybe or maybe a lot lot majority of their lives and so jesus is saying right this is this is going to be all exposed this stuff verse four he says i tell you my friends do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do but i will warn you whom to fear fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell yes i tell you fear him are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and are not one of them sorry and not one of them is forgotten before god why even the hairs of your head are all numbered fear not you are of more value than many sparrows now jesus is talking to his disciples remember there's this huge crowd of people they're trampling on each other trying to get near jesus jesus seems to be kind of having this conversation with people who are really seriously wanting to follow him and he says i tell you my friends he's got his close little crowd here and he's addressing them and yet there's this multitude trying to press in and hear what he's saying and he says he's preparing them for the challenges that lie ahead of them once he's no longer with them in person he's saying don't fear those who can only kill the body he's saying and the implication strongly is that there will be those who will try to kill you but he says actually be more you know they should be more concerned about the the one who will judge them and judge their actions but he puts it into context and he says you're more precious than these sparrows not even though not one of them is forgotten before god they're two a penny five a penny or whatever and not one of them is forgotten before god why even the hairs of your head are numbered so he's saying in the middle of all of these difficult challenges when the pressure really comes on you because of me and your loyalty to me he said understand that god knows how many hairs are on your head this is the context for which 
these many, many precious lives have gone and faced that final sacrifice, that ultimate sacrifice of martyrdom. It's because they've known these things. They've known how precious they are to God himself. Right, verse 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So he's just developing this idea. It's important that we think about these things because we never expected i think many of us never expected to be where we are culturally today and i think any of us who have got any uh, intention of speaking out publicly about the word of god and what the message of the scripture is and so on we we just we stand a fairly good chance of being the wrong side of pub popular opinion and being the wrong side even maybe of the law at some point and so it's not that we go out looking to get in trouble but it's quite likely that trouble will come looking for us if we're faithful to Jesus and we kind of try to authentically present his word and so on and so he says but there's something about public acknowledgement of Jesus that is really really important and that Jesus then says, do you know what? My father's going to really applaud that and he's going to acknowledge you um, before his angels in heaven. You're going to have that kind of eternal reward, um, that eternal significance. I love the, the thought that our name can be known in heaven. Our name can be uttered by God himself in heaven saying that's one of mine and there's something that happens and has happened historically all the way through whenever those people have been um, put in front of rulers and leaders and judges to give account of themselves and they've had to ultimately face death for Jesus they've always shone there's always been something beautiful like a special gift of God's grace to them in that time of need where the things they say sound super smart and really wise and really clever and Jesus is saying to the guys don't be worried about what you're going to say when you're in that situation because the Holy Spirit himself is going to give you what to say but he, the interesting thing there he says don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say that word there is apologia which is the word we have we have for apology but is also the word that is developed to mean apologetics which is that robust defense and explanation of the scripture and why we believe what we do and he's saying don't worry about the apologetics when you get to that situation the holy spirit is going to become your great inspiration your great apologist who's going to help you say things that really last and really stick in people's minds and I do believe there's something profound about that final testimony that final statement of faith that the martyrs have made and we just have to read 
accounts of those stories and see the impact. It's not that we go looking for it, but it's that we're willing should the should that situation arise should we find ourselves in that situation just one more thought in in verse 9 and 10 it says he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of god and everyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven but the one who blasphemes against the holy spirit will not be forgiven that has bothered people for centuries and centuries because there's this idea of the unforgivable sin it was always a kind of in the background conversation when I was growing up. There was always this idea that there was an unforgivable sin. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to Jesus. If we speak badly of him, that's our only, our only way of ever finding salvation is through the kind ministry of the Holy Spirit. He guides us into all truth. He reveals jesus he reveals the way you know the he convicts us of our sin he speaks the truth into our hearts if we keep blaspheming him overturning what he's saying to us ignoring what he's saying speaking badly of him even verbalizing this is not god this is the devil type of stuff he's the one who brings us into all truth if we close if we harden our hearts against him, then he's the very means that brings us to salvation. It brings us into that relationship with God, which then sets us up for all eternity. So there is a very, very real sense in which we need to humbly, well, definitely, we really need to humbly receive what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and listen. And Jesus, of course, is saying to these guys, the Pharisees, in the context of what he's been saying to the Pharisees, you're missing that very, very ministry of the Holy Spirit that can save you as he reveals to you who I am. Because he revealed to Peter who Jesus is. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, yeah, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, he's the one who's revealed it through the Holy Spirit. And, oh my I could go on and on and on. So we just need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, humble our hearts and let him get through to us. Wow. Jesus, bless us today. Give us an amazing day. Enjoy the sunshine wherever you are. I hope you get some. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. 
So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden, and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.